Hello and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Coops. I am your host, and tonight is going to be a special um, solo episode. I'm going to be discussing some things going on uh, with me, with my writing, with with uh, the show in general, some topics related to um, finishing a draft, some things like that. So. Um, as those of you who are, are regulars uh, know, we didn't have an episode last week, and that was because I am in the end stages of a manuscript, and uh, uh, having having a great writing week, really plowed through a, through a lot of work this week. Um, Marilyn is is watching. She says says hi. Um, Amanda Bird is watching. Todd is watching. Kay, Kay Clark is watching. Fantastic. Uh, some of my all time favorite people. All tuning in and saying hi. It's good to see y'all. Um, yeah, Marilyn said she was bummed about the the launch being scrubbed for the SpaceX launch. I was too. We were ready to go outside and uh, see the, the first launch in, from you know Florida in ages of a, of a manned rocket. But uh, unfortunately, the weather wasn't cooperating as you know frequently happens here in in Florida. We had some some storms and such. Uh, CK says hi. Uh, but yeah, hopefully they'll be able to, to to reschedule soon. I think they maybe ten days out or so. They're gonna maybe try again. So um, fingers crossed, we'll work on the next one. I am very excited for um, another you know man man space flight from from Florida. I think it's gonna be really cool stuff. Um, but yeah, so I had a big week, which is you know partly why I, I was you know focusing and prioritizing on uh, getting work done. Um, I had a really I have been struggling through the soggy middle of a book for a while and finally hit my stride recently this past week where I was out of that. I was out of the act two and finally firmly into act three territory, writing a finale and climax um, of, of a novel and things just started flowing. And of course, recently I've only been having about, you know, an hour and a half, two hours of writing availability to, uh, per day, just because I'm writing during my, my daughter's naps. Cause I've been, you know, full-time dad most of the time here watching her, um, during this pandemic with her being home from daycare. So I've been just trying to write, write, write during these, these naps. Um, Amanda waves. Hi, Amanda. Um, but I was able to crank out, you know, sometimes 3000 words a nap the lot this past week, which is very much more than I would normally put out. Like if I put out 3000 words in a whole day of writing, usually I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, but when I get to the end of a novel, things start to speed up for me and it's it's really nice to be able to just start tying up loose ends and uh, see that finish line in sight and be able to write a little faster and um, see it all come together the inspiration really starts to to gel uh, for the finale I'm, I'm a person who outlines pretty well so I usually know what the end is it's just connecting the middle to the end is usually my weak point. So once I'm past that, I was, I was rolling. So good week for me, good writing week. I'm hoping to actually have a finished first draft of the book by uh, the end of the month, by the end of May, and then go jump into the revision process, which will be fun, um, which is a whole other topic. And But we're going to be we discussing that a little bit t- tonight. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that's I'm excited to uh, author Amanda says, uh, "Ba outlines, yeah, they're not for everyone, but they sure work for me." Um, I partly what really made my second half of my book or the last third at least go faster was because I stopped and re-outlined the end. Um, one of the things I did was sit down and basically write out this needs to happen, this needs to happen, this needs to happen, and I put it on a uh, in, in a Scrivener doc, 
and just went through and started highlighting things as I finished them. So I could see them getting crossed off. Like, okay, I've got that done. Now I need to do this, 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 and this. And I just kept redoing that. And of course, it doesn't always go exactly how your outline looks. Sometimes it things vary a little bit, but um, just being able to see the progress daily was a huge help. Uh, just being able to go through and just cross things off. Okay, got that, got that, got that. Um, so I'm very excited. It's always thrilling to, to be near the end of a novel. Yeah, because sometimes you're so worn out from having been through the whole process, especially if it's been you know months of writing. This has been for me. It's been five months of, of drafting this. Uh, started in, uh, beginning of January, so which is pretty fast for me, honestly. Like in terms of, of writing, that's and considering having having had a pandemic where my productivity was way down in terms of amount of hours. This is actually probably one of the fastest books I've ever written. Um, all those things weighted in. But I'm super thrilled that here in Florida we'll be able to um, the child the daycares are opening back up. So next week my daughter will be going back to daycare for the first time, uh, June first. So um, of course as a parent that's a little nerve wracking during these times, but it's it is going to be great in terms of um, her education, getting back to be able to be around other young uh, kids her age, as a limited group of them. But uh, it's also going to be fantastic for me to all of a sudden have my days back again to actually be able to be productive and really get a lot of writing done. My my goal is to get this, this manuscript done and out the door uh, to my narrator. I want to get it revised, edited uh, over the course of June because I have a big deadline, a fun deadline uh, coming up in July. Many of you know that I have a son arriving July 10th. Uh, my wife and I will be going into the hospital. We have a scheduled C-section and I'm having a little boy so um, we're really excited for that and of course I want to just have everything cleared off my plate writing wise so that I can just 100% focus on being a dad um, come July 10th and for you know weeks after that so um, hopefully my book will be done and off to the narrator and um, I won't have to worry about it for a little while until I turn around and, and publish it but uh, yeah that's super exciting so that's that's a big part of uh, why I've been cracking down on, on, on prioritizing. So I think one of the big things for authors is understanding what your priorities are, top tier, second tier. Of course, you know, families, number one. But getting the book done was number two for me. Unfortunately, that means sometimes the podcast gets bumped down the list and it doesn't always, you know, make it um, to being done like, like last week. And I think it's actually going to be, I'm probably going to be going on break a little bit. I think uh, I did a summer break last year. And I'm going to be doing another summer break. There may be a couple more episodes before I completely um, check out for the summer uh, for this sort of paternity leave I'm doing. But um, just because I do like doing the, the craft book um, analysis, kind of doing book reports. And I do have a new craft book. One of my traditions is every time I finish a first draft of a novel, I take a break. Well, usually I'll do one pass. What I do is I'll go back through and do one pass to clean it up, um, read straight through from the beginning to the end, and fix anything that needs adjusting. Like for right now, I know I have one scene that I have to go back and change just slightly, just tweak it slightly to make the end make sense because I came up with an idea during the finale for making a loose end tie together a little bit better. So I have to go back and make that work. Um, but I'll read through one big long read, fix the major glitches and then hand it off to my alpha readers who are uh, some of whom have been reading along 
throughout the process. Uh, some of my readers, I've been giving them chapters as I go, and they've been giving me feedback already that I've been able to go back and fix, um, which is really useful. It's a big time saver if I'm really headed a wrong direction. I can usually feel that out by getting um, seeing some of the feedback and knowing where the weak spots are. And I'm usually, I know more or less where my strengths are, so I know that I need to go back through and add more emotion, especially if I'm writing female characters. Um, sometimes I'm writing them more from a guy perspective and I have to go back through and kind of put the, the lenses on to say, okay, but what would, how would this be different if I, you know, I was seeing this through the lens of being the female character and I need, sometimes I need to focus in on that a little bit more. So that's going to be one of my revision passes. Um, and of course I'll go back through some of the things that I do when I go back through, uh, during the revision process after I've gotten my feedback from my alpha readers is to do um, is to do passes for things like sights and sounds and smells, the sensory things. Like uh, I'll go back through and sometimes add more food, um, things like that that uh, may not exist. Sometimes I'll forget that my characters need to eat, things like that, and I'll go back through and try to um, layer in things that are relatable for the reader um, just so that you they've got sort of some touchstones that maybe make them feel a little bit more part of the world. And that's a great way to add in sort of texture and um, some description. I'm not big on going back through and doing heavy description, but I will sometimes um, go back through and see if there's a particular characters that really never got described well um, and think, do things like that on a, on a pass. And then, of course, eventually it'll get read by people like Kay, who's commenting, uh, but she's usually end stage. Kay has been a, a previous guest of the show, was on uh, a while back um, on an episode of talking about proofreading Kay has an eagle eye for um, spotting typos not just typos but um, like legitimate like structural issues with sentences and things that that um, don't conform to the Chicago manual of style which is what I use as of course my guidelines for what is proper for uh, producing a novel in the US and uh, while we as authors do sometimes have some liberty to make stylistic choices, you know, choose how we're going to do commas, things like that, which, you know, we do have some, a little bit of flexibility. Um, it is nice to know what the standards are. And, uh, of course, Kay is one of my my golden uh, beta readers who, who does an amazing job of, of proofreading. So usually she's at the end stage. But I will have other readers going through it as well um, for different for different processes. For me, it's I'll do at least uh, on a full novel like this, I'll probably try to do two or three rounds of beta reading just because I want to get general knowledge stuff. I, you know, how is it flowing? Is it pacey? Is there, you know, are people having trouble putting it down? And I also kind of go back through it more of like a copy edit phase and we're starting to look for problems with sentences and things like that, um, not understanding things. Maybe I go through and start tweaking um, language and description more. And then eventually I'll do the proofreading round where it's like we're hunting every last missing quotation mark and um, anything that we can find that might potentially be wrong. Um, and of course I'll do multiple passes myself as well. Um, and of course I've, I mentioned this on the show I think before that my process involves using Google Docs, which is um, a lot of fun, is that I'll be able to put up a, a post of a Google Doc with, with the book in it um, that's not editable but then there is a, a separate Google Doc for comments. So people can click over to that, leave comments on the chapter where they found the issue, 
initial it um, so that they I know if I have questions about what they said that they can I can communicate with them and that's a really fun part of the process for me sometimes I'm actually watching people type in there as I'm responding to them and we're actually you know interacting on that Google Doc as they give me feedback on, on the, the story which is really fun and it is what well, the main thing is that it gives me one place to look for all the comments um, because what drives you crazy sometimes as an author is, is giving all your feedback to, or I'm sorry, giving all your um, beta readers the story to read and then getting a bunch of different separate feedback coming in, emails, messages, sometimes people sending you on, on Instagram, or Facebook Messenger, some people are emailing you, some people are you know, finding different ways of communicating with you what the problems are and they're not knowing that someone has already dealt with that. So the fact that I can have it all on a Google Doc and then cross it out when it's been dealt with People can go and see, oh, I found this typo. Oh, so-and-so already found it. It's already been dealt with. I don't need to bring that up. It saves everyone time. Uh, but most especially, it saves me stress of having to wonder whether or not I dealt with it or not. It's all right there in black and white for me to deal with any issues I've got. Uh, there are programs out there that do this for you. I don't know. I know that there are some beta reading programs that help manage your ARCs. Um, I do. So I have started using BookFunnel for this where I'll use the certified um, delivery system that they have, certified mail, so that when I send out the ebook, I know for sure whether they opened it or not. And I can follow up with beta readers um, and ask for reviews, things like that. And, or if someone I know has been asking for it, hasn't opened it, I know that I can follow up with them and be like, hey, are you having trouble opening this? Did you miss the email? Did it go into your spam folder? Things like that. Um, and I can track. It also gives me, you know, a nice place to look at all the email addresses that I've sent um, ARCs to. I can see who's reviewed, who's already given feedback, and I can, of course, follow up with them later on um, for, you know, making sure that they're reviewing on Amazon. Or these are some of the things that I, I ask for people to do if they're going to be part of the beta team. If they're getting free copies up front and being part of the process, I do ask that they, um, if they can try to leave a review, which not everyone can. There are some limitations on you know different countries and also how much you have to have spent on Amazon in order to uh, review on the platform. There are a few glitches here, there, and here and there. Um, uh, Risa Walker's watching. Hi, Risa. It's um, wonderful to, to see you. Um, see you on the internet here. Um, Kay says, I miss reading as you go. Yeah, I'm hoping I'll be getting you a book soon, Kay. Um, Amanda says, so I've had issues with BookFunnel showing read for certified sends. I had an ARC reader who would download her copy, but it always said she didn't. Okay, so yeah, maybe there are some glitches with that, um, but it, that it's good to be at least to be able to know that you sent it and um, follow, you can always, you know, I guess, follow up more personally. I do try to do that as well. One of the things that I think has been the most um, helpful for me is that uh, to really develop personal relationships with the beta readers in each round. I, I have in the past done really large beta reads where I'll put out um, you know, 80 at a time, 70, 80 different copy, art copies at once. And what happened there is that it became hard for me to manage it. I can manage it in mass, like the whole thing. Like I said, the Google Doc really helped me um, solve that problem, that logistic problem. But it's it didn't uh, allow for the personal relationship and communication with, with readers as they went. So by taking that down to smaller batches, um, I've been able to give more personal attention to the beta readers who I know are um, 
the most active in, in interacting with the story and get and it improves the relationship it improves the quality of the feedback I'm getting and it also improves the odds that, that person will actually go through and leave a review um, that I can then use for I can use quotes from that for advertising copy for you know add images things like that later on throughout the process and if I don't have that on on release day then there's no and of course people don't want to buy the book either because there's no social proof that people have actually liked this so having those initial reviews on day one is huge um, for the for the life of the book and I think it's um, it's also important that people have taken time out of their busy day to read your book um, yeah sure it's free but they they have other things they can read you know and there's plenty of other things to do so having taking the time to really send personal messages and communicate on that personal level is important, even though you might have a big list of uh, beta readers who want to get involved. So for me, I've actually been sort of reducing the size of my beta team down. I've at one point had hundreds of people on on the list um, for a particular book. So um, I'm not sure what the magic number is, where I'll eventually end up, but probably I'll probably end up somewhere in the you know, less than 50 overall readers range eventually. And just, um, you know, deal with the fact that, because I've had um, interesting experience where I've, when I've, on times when I've had hundreds of beta readers and times when I've had a smaller amount, I still end up with the same amount of reviews. Because I think there's this um, sort of attitude that happens where if you're part of a team, but there's a huge number of people on that team, there's not very much on you to feel like you have to get it done. Whereas if you're on a team that's a small team and everyone's communicating and everyone knows everyone, um, if you're the one who doesn't ever read the book and doesn't ever follow up, uh, and if you're getting personal messages from the author saying, hey, I hope you're enjoying this read, like it's harder probably, I mean, I'm just you know, saying this out loud just because I assume it's true, it's harder to, to ignore that um, and to, you know, not follow through. It's it's probably much easier to follow through when someone's, you know, personally asking you as opposed to just making blanket statements to an entire group of 70 or 80 people. Um, so yeah, so obviously much better. It's Is it more time consuming for you as the author? Absolutely. Uh, to, to send individual personalized messages to everyone, of course. But it's worth it, 100% worth it. Um, and it makes the book so much better. It makes the relationships you have with your readers so much better. So absolutely recommend it. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about this period. It's also a time of renewal for me because I think um, one of the things that happens as you get to the, towards the end stage of your book is you start to feel a little bit burnt out by it, um, especially if you've had a rough middle like I've had. I had a rough, soggy middle where the two-thirds part was really just kicking my butt. And um, even though I'm rejuvenated now getting to the end of the book, it's also still a big mass of work ahead and by doing this alpha reader system where I go ahead and give out um, early drafts to this alpha team, their enthusiasm, their feedback helps to re-energize me and sort of refill this creative well that I have of um, energy I need to, to go the rest of the distance. It's kind of like you're running this marathon and like you see the end in sight, but then you realize there's still a few more miles to go. But having those people all of a sudden close to the end cheering gives you the energy you need to, to finish. 
And that's what you get from having these early readers come in and get excited because it's brand new to them. They're staying up late reading it. They're being like, wow, I can't put this down. Those kinds of things obviously really help to energize. Um, another thing is sometimes people will put up, once they have an actual draft done, they'll of course put a pre-order up, something like that, and they'll see people start to start actually buying it. Um, I did a pre-order very early on this one. I tried out Amazon's ability to, to give you up to a year of pre-order. So I put the pre book for pre-order right when I launched the last one back in November. Um, so I had the book, this book up for pre-order in October and I chose October 1st just because I knew I could definitely get it done within a year, even you know having a baby and things like that. I knew it could get done. Um, however, I don't know that I will do it again just because the weight of having that over my head felt so much like homework. It felt like this end of term assignment from college that was like, it kind of took some of the fun out of it where it's like, okay, not only do you have to write this, like before you wanted to write the book, now you have to write the book. And there was a little bit of a change of attitude that I had to keep readjusting myself on. Uh, and having this pre-order sort of looming over my head all year wasn't the best thing. I feel like it's a better strategy if when I do pre-orders again in the future, if I do them again in the future, I will probably wait until this point when I'm actually at the end of the first draft um, and then say, yes, I can absolutely revise this, clean it up, get it done by X date in the future. Um, give myself a little bit more, more time. Um, Kay asks, are you going to sneak in a reveal of your son's name in this book like you did Piper's name? Oh, that's a good question. Um, interesting. Yeah, no, I haven't, um, I haven't snuck one in to the book, although I am, I am writing another, um, I am writing another time travel book in the In Times Like These universe. One of my next books will be um, a character who is the son of, of Ben Travers, who is the main character, and uh, but I'm not using um, my actual son's name for this one, even though I did use um, Piper's name in the book. Um, that was actually a happenstance. I actually named the character Piper before my wife and I decided to name our daughter Piper. And... Uh, it, which was a funny kind of coincidence is that I had actually asked my wife's opinion. I have these two characters, which are um, very, they have a lot of similarities to, to she and I in, in real life and have always had that similarity because I based one of the characters on her well before I was even, uh, well before we were married, well before I, we, were, we weren't even dating at the time, uh, back in like 2008 when I was first coming up with this story. I happened to base this character on her. So she's always had some say and I was saying, well, what if, if Ben and Mim were to have this kid, what would they name them, name her? And uh, she came up with the name Piper. And I was like, I like it. I'm going with it. And then later on, when we actually found out we were having a girl and we were running through lists of names, she again liked the name Piper. And um, I was like, and she had forgotten, completely forgotten that um, I had named a character that. So it was sort of um, happenstance that it ended up being that way. So I wasn't, I had already written the character before I had a daughter. So, um, this time around my, my son's name is actually going to be Morgan, uh, which is, uh, my grandfather's name. So, um, and my dad's name is Peter. So my, my son's name is going to be Morgan Peter. And, um, so that'll be a, a good family name. I do in, interestingly have, I really like that name. I do have another character and another unfinished novel that I'm working on whose name is, is, uh, Morgan. Um, but the, 
the character I have um, coming up for this upcoming time travel series. Um, my fictional Piper's uh, brother is gonna actually gonna be named Grayson. So there you get a sneak sneak tip, uh, sneak peek there, Kay. You can see. I know you you read those stories. So so Grayson Travers is going to be um, the character name for my for my new series, uh, from the, the next book I'm writing anyway in that series. So um, that'll be fun. But yeah, so thank you. For that. I know it's sort of a sort of a tangent. Um, Amanda says that's my second female serial killer's name. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she asked, did you have a placeholder cover or no cover at all? I thrive on deadlines. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, sometimes that is helpful. And there are certain people who absolutely love um, having deadlines and it drives them forward. And it definitely did do that somewhat for me too. Like there was times when I probably would have just quit writing the book if I didn't have to write it. So in some ways it did work. It made me get it done. And I think it was good training for if I ever do have um, a more traditional setup where I'm writing for an Amazon imprint or something like that. I'm, I want to be able to hit deadlines. So I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. I just, it wasn't my favorite, but, um, she asks, did I have a placeholder cover or no cover at all? I did actually go ahead and, and, uh, spring for the cover for the sequel before I launched book one. So I already had the cover designed. Um, and we're ready to go so that before I launched book one, uh, book two was the cover was done and I had I had sort of a placeholder book description. I hadn't written the novel obviously yet so I knew generally what it was going to be about. I had the idea in my head for what the book was. So it was a little bit difficult having to come up with the the book description to put on the pre-order page um, and have that be accurate. But that actually isn't a great exercise because it's one of the things I do anyway when I'm starting writing a book is I will try to come up with the tagline and try to come up with the blurb um, because those are actually great techniques for understanding what the book's really about. It's actually part of the snowflake method. If those of you are familiar with the idea of um, outlining via the snowflake method, it starts with that. Basically, it's trying to condense your story, the idea of, the, of your story into one sentence and then trying to break that sentence out into a paragraph or so. Um, and yeah, Amanda says that they are difficult without having the story. They absolutely are difficult. And so like by using this method, by using this snowflake method of, of um, basically you're, you're saying a character in a particular setting has this particular problem and then this the stakes escalate because of X, Y, and Z. Basically you have to, when you write your one sentence description, you're, you're setting the hook basically. This, this character has this desire maybe or this occupation and they want this, but something happens. And now if they don't do X, then this might happen. And that's basically your whole story in a nutshell. And then, of course, you can then break that out into its individual parts, into sentences for a, for a blurb. And then later on, that will, of course, be broken down more um, into the outline of your story. You can take each of those sentences and start to break those out into their own paragraphs. And those of you who are familiar with the, the program Novel Factory, this is the, the system that they use. They, they have you understand your genre, break down your premise, write a sentence, and then use this essentially snowflake method to um, build yourself a synopsis, which you then turn into your outline so that you can then write your novel. And it's a very good system for anyone who hasn't used that. I actually just signed back up for Novel Factory for my next book just because um, it's a different genre than I normally write. I'm going to be writing a more of a mystery thriller, 
which is not your basic hero's journey, um, you know, three, four act structure. It's, it's still, still, still three or four act structure, but it's, it's got different elements to it. It's not crossing the threshold. It's not, um, it's not your basic hero's journey stuff. So I'm having to relearn, um, mystery thriller elements. And of course I've been reading a ton of this. That has been the fun thing about this phase of, um, transition where I'm kind of phasing out of one book and into the next book is that I'm starting to do the fun uh, advanced reading for the next book, which is, um, you know, helping to give me ideas. It's putting um, thoughts in, in the hopper for the next book so that when I'm finally done with this revision phase and have this, you know, my book off to the narrator, um, before I go on to do all the publishing and marketing and that side of things, I'll be now taking in the creative juice necessary to start the next book, the next next manuscript. And so right now I'm I'm watching a ton of um, this mystery thriller. It's going to be a bit of a, a PI story. So um, private investigators, and so I've been watching a lot of old movies. Um, the I've, I, that's been fun. I've been watching uh, Maltese Falcon and some of these other classics like from the 40s i've been looking up all these different uh, modern day uh, takes on on throws and of course mystery throws there's a lot of tv shows um so i've been able to research that and then also fantastically i've been reading a ton of good books i've been reading robert parker which was a recommendation from alan um janny who was on the show in episode 103 and and i jumped into some of his books and oh my goodness are they amazing so he writes as Alan Lee. You may have heard him on the show, like I said, episode 103. If you haven't, it was a, one of my favorite episodes I've done recently because Alan is just such a joy of a human being um, and is just an excellent writer as well. So I knew he was a good writer. I had read um, snippets of his work and some of his work before, but I hadn't actually like sat down and and um, jumped into one of his novels. And oh my goodness. So I started with um, Desecration of All Saints, which was um, on sale or... I, free at the time something like that or and then um i'm also in kindle Un- i got the kindle unlimited deal that they've been running for um during this pandemic they kind of they did some discount ku stuff so i've been in, in kindle unlimited recently so all of his stuff is in kindle unlimited so i've just been plowing through it gosh i read through desecration of all saints immediately jumped into his book one and now i'm already into book two um in the matter of a few days like i have not stayed up late reading a kindle book in forever. Like normally most of my reading is done in audio while I'm out walking the dog, you know, up late at night. A lot of my reading maybe will be on a Kindle right before I go to bed, but Alan's books are so good that I've been reading them on my phone during like any waking moment I've had has been just me like, you know, scrolling through my Kindle app on my phone, just devouring his books. So if you like mystery thrillers, um, his PI book is is fantastic. I think it's just really top notch. So um, go go check it out if you like, you know, really quick witted, fantastic dialogue. Um, he's just he's just excellent. So um, Kay says, when I thought I was going to become an author, I looked into the Snowflake method, and that's what I would have used if I had moved forward with writing. Well, yeah, it, it's a little daunting sometimes to come up with an outlining method that works for you. Um, but it's like, I think that the, Marilyn says, I'll check him out. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, 
when I first started like Desecration of All Saints, I thought that maybe it would be more serious than it, it sounds like a serious topic, especially if it's dealing with anything with like the church and stuff. I was worried it was going to be, it was going to involve, um, you know, pedophilia with priests or something like that, where it was going to be real, this real dark topic, but it's not. And he does say very clearly up front in the front matter that this is not, doesn't have any of that. There's no child abuse in this or anything like that. And that was nice to read right out of the gate and be like, oh, okay, well, it's not going to be get, get that dark or anything. And it actually is very lighthearted, his stuff, and it's hilarious. Like, I laughed out loud multiple times in his books just because his, um, he's so quick-witted. His, his P.I. is this snarky, um, kind of like a Spencer character from, from Robert Parker. But um, fun, just great characters, really good cast of, of people uh, involved in, in the character's world. And um, anyway, just... Highly recommended. Five stars. I've already left a couple of reviews for his first couple of books, and you can check out my reviews if you want. Um, but yeah, so Kay says, yeah, the Snowflake Method does look too. I, I still think you should go for go for writing, Kay. And one of these days, I'll, I'm waiting for you to, to jump into um, being a writer, and, and we're going to see how that goes, because I think you have a lot of talent, obviously, with storytelling. Paul Tress was watching. Hi, Paul. Uh, Chrissy was watching. Um, good to see you, Chrissy. Um yeah, it's it's been it's been exciting, um, like reading his stuff because it's also so inspiring. But one of the main things you have to do, obviously, is read heavily in your genre, and especially when you're jumping into a new genre. Like if you're already writing in a series, if you're writing you know book five of a, of your own series, and you've already done all this research up front, um, it's not so bad. But if you're jumping into a new branch of of a genre or switching in any way, you really need to dig deep and uh, do the research, read a lot of the bestsellers in that cat in that category of of uh, books. Understand the tropes. Understand what they're doing. What's expected of you. For example, if you're jumping into mystery thrillers, things I have found out so far, first person point of view is 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 huge, almost essential. Um, you know, snarky characters, like things like that, are are kind of what people are expecting going into this. And if you violate any of those rules, your potential to sell. And to acquire readers is going to be diminished right out of the gate. So I don't think it's wise to jump into a new genre and say, okay, I'm just going to change all of the rules. Even though it's something I do do, like my Sword Fight Kingdom of Vengeance series, there is no genre for that. It's, it's you know, apocalyptic slat. Well, it's, not, it's modern medieval is what I'm calling it, which doesn't exist. There is no such thing. Um, and I just made it up. So it's it's uh, fun. It's a blast to write. It's been an amazing, uh, good time, but it's also very difficult to market. <laughs> so the overall long-term earning potential of that series is not what it would be if I was just writing straight at a really, um, you know, ravenous genre like mystery thrillers. So, and I know that I'm not, I'm not deluding myself in any way about, um, about that, about that information about me. I know how I write. I know what I write. And I know sometimes I write things that, um, you know, are never going to be mainstream, but that's okay because it's really what the book that I want to read. And I know that I have readers who are on board and will go on that adventure with me. Uh, it's just a, it's a fun journey and somebody's got to make up these genres every once in a while. So more people can jump on the bandwagon and make it popular. So yeah, so that's, that's a fun stage right now of where I am of being in like this new idea phase on top of being in this revision phase. So while I am, uh, of course, absorbing, oftentimes I can tell where my head's at 
when I um, read a craft book. In this case, I'm going to be reading this um, on my break, my mental break I'm taking after I finish my draft. I will be reading this book, Telling Writing, which is a, a used book from Haslam's uh, local bookstore that I found. And I happen to be, it's been sitting on my shelf forever. One of these craft books I've been meaning to get around to writing. And I happened to be organizing my bookshelf the other day. And I picked it up and I'm like, oh, I haven't read this yet. And I opened a few pages and started reading and was immediately hooked. I'm like, ooh, this is what I need right now. This is this is really in-depth sentence structure um, redesigning. Things that I'm working on right now. Because you can't fix everything about your writing and your style all at once. You have to kind of choose your targets on okay, I'm going to work on pacing right now, or I'm going to work on character development, or I'm going to work on dialogue. Like there's so many different elements of this writing process that it's difficult to try to say you're going to be get better at all of them. Um, so for me, it's been one thing at a time. Okay, I think I've gotten better at pacing, so I'm going to go ahead and work on this or that or the other thing. So this happens to be where I'm at right now. It's perfect for me. So I will I will do my best to do an episode where I break down my highlights from this and let you know the golden nuggets that I get out of this book. If any, uh, I'm sure there will be plenty, but it already seems like a book that's a wealth of knowledge. So, um, But I, it's one of the things that I can tell when I read a book like that is if my head automatically populates, when they're talking about characters, am I populating it with the book I'm currently writing or am I populating it with the ideas for the next book and um, it's a good way to kind of gauge where your mind is and for me I've already been I can tell that I'm already writing the next book in my head even though I'm currently actually writing this book so and that's a difficult problem to have uh, it's a you know new new shiny thing syndrome where new shiny beginnings of a book always seem like um, they're the most attractive because it's just wide open. It's so much unlimited potential. Um, and it's the biggest struggle when I'm stuck in the soggy middle of the two thirds of the way through my book part where it's, nothing's glamorous and you're just trying to pull your hair out because you don't know how to get you know, your characters to do the things you want them to do to get to the end. Um, so that's when the next idea starts to look really good and you wanna just abandon the manuscript midway through and just start writing something else. But I've done that before, and you end up with a collection of manuscripts that are, you know, two-thirds of the way done. And that's not a great way to publish. That's not a good strategy um, long term. So you've got you've to gotta get the books done. And whatever sort of uh, mental cartwheels you have to do to get yourself uh, back into the current game, um, you know, do whatever you have to do to make it work. And for me, that means allowing myself to do the reading at night allowing myself as sort of a reward for uh, getting the work done to be able to like, okay, let your let your brain check into this other thing for a while, um, maybe at night. And uh, that's been great. So that's, that's I think it is important to reward yourself uh, for finishing a novel, for finishing a manuscript. I, it's a big deal. Like, you know, one in a hundred people uh, actually gets to the end of a, of a manuscript. So if you're one of those people who actually can finish books that is a big deal because so many people say that they want to write a novel. And like I said, like 100 will actually get there. And then for them to go on and actually do a good job of editing and revising, things like that, and being able to take constructive feedback, there's a lot of other things that go into it. I had a really cool experience today where I was able to talk to a class of students who were on the West Coast. Um, one of my 
teacher friends put together a Zoom call with her, her uh, group of students. They were anywhere from second grade to sixth grade, which was, which was really fun. And one of them, amazingly enough, already has a book out on Amazon and a couple of other stories. And he was asking really insightful questions about book marketing. And he's a you know fifth grader. And I was blown away by how um, talented the next generation of writers is. Um, but one of the things you have to understand, too, when you're starting out is that you're starting out. And the main focus has to be make the books better, make the books better, learn, learn, learn. And it's such a steep learning curve when you're at that stage. Uh, when you're just starting out and you want to learn how to market and, and advertise and do all these other things and make money, of course, but you have to be focused on how do I write a better book? And um, yeah, and I think we're all at some level of that's, that's you know, process of always trying to learn to write it. That, that part never goes away. The fact that you have to be learning to write a better book. Uh, but that that's that's fun for me. I I am a maximizer is one of my personality traits. After we've chatted with uh, Becca Syme, and who was a guest of the show, she, you know we talked about the Clifton Strengths test. That's one of mine. The maximizer always wants the thing they're writing to be the better than the thing they did before, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, it's something that I understand about myself. So for me, constant learning is is a is a win. Um, I always want to know that that whatever I just produced was the best thing I can produce. Um, Marilyn says, how cool to talk to those kids. Yeah, it was fantastic. Gosh, uh, I had the opportunity to, to do that with a couple different classes now. One was a whole group of local indie ed kids. There's like a sort of a group communal homeschooling type thing where they, you know, it's probably uh, 50 kids or so. It's like a, it's a regular school basically at this point, but they're it's kind of under underneath the umbrella of a homeschool program. And that's what a lot of kids are doing now, of course, with Zoom. So I've had this opportunity a couple times to talk to young aspiring writers who are, um, you know, just, just starting out and asking these questions about how do I get through this novel? How do I finish it? How do I get it published? Um, some of those early questions. And it's, it's fascinating to, to see where they are and see that they're starting out so young because they're going to be so much ahead of the game um, by the time they're teenagers, by the time they're you know, in their early 20s, they'll have mastered a lot of the craft that a lot of us are still, um, you know, working on later on in life. So it's it's not easy. But one of the things I tell them, and I was, I was very upfront with one of the groups of seventh graders that I, I saw here in St. Pete was, you know, the novel you're writing now in the seventh grade is probably garbage. Like it's probably terrible. It's written by a seventh grader. So it's not going to be amazing. But the but the thing about it is, the wonderful thing about it is like there's maybe it may be the third book you write is going to be amazing, but the only way to write the third book is to write the first and second book. There's no way, there's no shortcut to success in this business. It is, you absolutely have to try, fail, get up, fail better uh, the next time. You know, that's how it works. And um, it's just a cool process. Like everything we do is is some some amount of success, but also some amount of, of room for improvement. And I think that that's exciting. And of course, years later, you can look back and say, okay, I've got dozens of books now, or whatever you've done, you've been slowly um, acquiring this arsenal of knowledge uh, so that everything you put out gets better. Um, but I think it's, I think it's really, I think it's amazing to talk to these kids and the amount of technology they're, they're savvy on. Um, it, it blows me away at how far ahead of the game they are. So I'm excited to see what kind of writers come out of this generation. And um, it'll be fun. 
Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. So, um, but anyway, I think that was the majority of the things I, I wanted to chat about tonight. I'm um, just talking about this revision process. I appreciate those of you who've been, um, you know, hanging out and, and saying hello to me. Oh, my sister says hello. That's that's fun. Um, hi, Sarah. Good to see you. Um, yeah, so it's it's been it's been a really cool uh, couple of weeks. Like I said, it's been exciting for me getting getting to the end stage of a, of a story. It's been really cool getting some amazing new writing like from from Alan. Uh, that's inspiring me into the new genre that I want to write in. Um, and of course I've got, like I said, we talked a little bit about the, the idea of this deadline that I have in my case, it's a happy deadline of having a child on the way. Um, uh, but it's really inspiring me to get things done. And, um, thankfully, you know, like I said, next week I get to have, get to go back to being super productive. I hope because my, my daughter will be back in, in daycare and I'll be able to, to really dump back, jump back into this, um, you know, this, this writer gig and, and just really go back to kind of being really productive at it. But uh, it's been a learning journey going through this uh, pandemic for sure and just trying to adapt and reprioritize and find new ways to solve problems. So it is, I have come out of it. I mean, obviously this isn't over by any means. Um, there's things, you know, there's still to worry about when it comes to, to the pandemic and how the rest of this summer goes, of course. But um, I've already learned a ton. So I do think, like I said, I'm going to probably go on break in terms of episodes, a Book Faces Live episode. I don't think there will be any more uh, interview episodes, episodes most likely between now and um, July when I kind of go on paternity leave. I may, like I said, I may do some kind of book report episodes like I've been doing uh, when I read a really good craft book and can't wait to share with, share about it. So I may do a couple of those um, solo episodes potentially. But uh, if not, then I will try to be back again in the early fall. Uh, last year, I took the summer break and I came back after Nink and did a big Nink wrap-up. And that was the kind of the starting episode again when I um, come back in the fall. But um, fingers crossed that we have Nink this year. The Novel Sync Conference, of course, all the conferences have been getting um, canceled. So it is to be determined whether or not the Novelist Inc. Conference will remain on the schedule. I really hope it does because it's an amazing conference and everyone gets so much out of it. And I can't, it's, it's just so much information that I love sharing with, with everyone who's on this show. And because um, there's just so much to unpack from all the amazing, talented authors who show up there. And I also meet tons of new people and also get you know a whole slew of new interviews set up usually when I'm there at the conference because I've met so many talented folks in the industry who I can't wait to talk to. So, um, but yeah, so I'm going to go, go on uh, summer break. I hope, uh, yeah, say some prayers for, for me, you know, get, uh, for our, our child shown up. Hopefully all goes well uh, for little, little Morgan Peters arrival into the world. Um, but I will keep you posted. I'll, maybe I'll, I'll post some pictures in the group when he shows up. So, but uh, yeah, thank you all for for being supporters and listeners of Book Faces Live and sticking with us for you know some of y'all have been around for a couple years of this show and um, it's been a really cool educational experience for me of course getting to, to chat with these authors every week and learn so much from other people's writing styles and uh, how they manage their author businesses. It's it's. A constant um, pleasure for me to be able to interact 
like this. And then obviously things have shifted a little bit. We're doing a lot more nighttime episodes during this, this COVID pandemic. Uh, but that was fun too. I had some really fun episodes just having drinks with people. Um, and um, Kay says, I love when you give us feedback on the conferences you attend. Yeah, and, um, I will, like I said, fingers crossed I get to do it again because like some of those are probably some of the most popular episodes of the, of the podcast just because they're so information packed. And, you know, like I said, I hope, really, really hope I'll be able to do that again. Uh, if not, then maybe we'll have to organize our own little conference and get a whole bunch of authors together and um, manage something else. But 2020 has been a giant question mark. And who knows what's coming next? So, but we're all in it together, so that's been great. Um, and I think that's one of the other good things that's come out of this is we've all been through this shared cultural experience of um, this, this pandemic. And of course, hats off to all of our first responders who have been on the front lines of this thing, all of our doctors and nurses and paramedics and such who, you know, have really sacrificed for us to, to keep us safe. So, uh, and of course, you know, this past Memorial Day, of course, remembering all of those who've done wartime service and, and sacrificing that way. But I think our first responders kind of count in that um, category too. Uh, Amanda says, uh, Sharknado, that's what's coming next. Ha, yeah, who knows? We're just getting into hurricane season. Don't you, you know, don't remind me about that, Amanda. I know you guys have already had your tornado uh, scares up there. Um, we talked about that when Ernie was on. But yeah, who knows what the rest of the summer will be. I hope it, it is a, many wonderful blessings for, for you and um, your loved ones. And, and this is going to be a, we're going to turn this ship around. We're going to have a really fantastic rest of 2020. That's my hope. But I hope you all doing well. Like I said, I will be back with with some updates here and there, and hopefully, like I said, some some uh, book report episodes. And then uh, I hope you all have a, a fantastic summer um, and get a lot done and get a lot of writing and reading um, done and, and enjoy that. And I would love to to hear from you, of course. So, so you can always email me at uh, nathanvancoops at gmail.com. You're welcome to email me anytime and with feedback on the show, with questions, anything you have, any way you want to communicate with me. I'm also available NathanVanCoops.com. You can check me out uh, there, and um, I would love to hear from you. So thank you for, for watching and for listening, and we'll see you again soon. So long.